Isaiah chapter 32 this morning. Isaiah chapter 32. Verse 1. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest. As rivers of water in a dry place. As the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the privilege to, to preach your word. Father, I ask for the filling of your spirit um, to preach your word and teach, Father, to your church. And, and I pray that by your spirit you would edify us and help us to glorify your name. Lord, uh, I pray for my dear wife, fill her with your spirit, relaying the message and sign. Fill with the spirit, uh, Sister Pat, in the nursery, and bless her there. Thank you for the good uh, Sunday school hour that we've enjoyed already, both the children and adults, Father, with the going forth of your word. How blessed we are that you have loved us so much to give us your son, to give us your word, to give us your Holy Spirit. Father, that we might have all that we need to live through this difficult life and to look forward, dear God, to heaven and to a paradise that you have prepared for those who will place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Father, I thank you for that. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified through your word this morning and again that your church would be edified Father we pray we ask these things in Jesus name and for his glory Amen Amen you may be seated I've entitled the message this morning a shelter in the time of storm shelter in the time of storm and that is certainly what we need uh, it's it's really always been a stormy world ever since the fall of man in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned against God and the whole world uh, became under a curse and uh, we need our Lord uh, to guide us through every moment uh, and uh, as we 
look at this passage in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has been pronouncing a series of, I believe it is, eight woes or eight judgments upon Israel and Judah. They have forsaken uh, God's commands and the Assyrians are the world power at this point. Uh, before too long, they will carry away Israel, the northern kingdom. So they will scatter them and they will be taken captive and Samaria will fall. Uh, they also will, uh, of course, uh, uh, surround the walls of Judah. Uh, God won't let them take Judah at this time. Judah's judgment will come later. Uh, but there's uh, great battles ahead uh, for Israel. And Isaiah is showing them why. Uh, he's telling them these judgments that are coming because they've forsaken God. And uh, while they're hearing his preaching and the preaching of other prophets, uh, they're pondering seeking assistance from Egypt and other nations thinking that will solve the problem in the previous chapter we read in Isaiah uh, 31 there uh, in, in the first in that chapter God through Isaiah warns them not to trust in Egypt uh, verse 1 of chapter 31 woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but they look not to the Holy One of Israel neither seek the Lord by the way there's a kind of a lengthy introduction this morning and the sermon is rather shorter so don't don't panic. <laughs> and, this, and this isn't a crowd that would do that, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I praise God for that. But uh, don't think about calling on Egypt for deliverance and for help. He says, but they look not to the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. God wants them to seek Him. He's the one bringing these impending judgments upon them, He's the one who will deliver them if they will repent. And apart from repentance, they won't escape these impending judgments. It doesn't matter how many allies they, uh, they hook up with. And that's what God's trying to tell them. What has become their attitude, though, it seems? We don't need to worry about whether or not we're right with God. As long as we can have a greater military than our adversaries. Or be allied with those who have a greater military than our adversaries. One or the other. Uh, that should sound familiar. That's the way many Christians even live their lives. Uh, we, they seek refuge in the stock market. In their bank account in their political leaders in a great military as long as we have all these things we'll get by oh, we may or may not be right with God but as long as we have these other things we'll get by well can I tell you this if you're not right with God you're not going to get by 
Oh yeah, I know every Christian is saved and going to heaven, but you've got life to live here before you get there. And it can be full of joy or it can be full of woes. Isaiah's got a bunch of them he's pronouncing right now that are about, about to fall on Jude and Israel. And frankly, there the choice is ours. <laughs> And we need to, God wants us to trust in Him. Trust in Him. See, it's good to recognize our need to be wise stewards of the things that God has given us, taking care of our families and such. Talk some about that tonight. And to pray for our leaders and our, 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 our military that godliness may be honored and restored to our land. These are good things. However, if we trust in these things for our safety, for our peace, for our deliverance, then we will be among those who have been deceived by uncertain riches. We will find ourselves in the chokehold of Satan and will soon succumb to an unfruitful and barren Christian life. Jesus said, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. I don't know about you, but saved or not, being choked doesn't sound like a very fun thing. How about you? <laughs> and uh, it sounds like a, an agony to me. And God is trying to spare them the agony they're about to face if they repent. That may be what our Lord is trying to do with our church today in our land. Amen. Anytime these trials come, is it time to examine ourselves? Am I walking with the Lord? Oh, it's enough that I'm born again and going to heaven. Is it? Do you really think that? Do we understand that a Christian can suffer every pain that a lost person can suffer except the fires of hell? Do we understand that? And God loves us. And God wants us what? To draw near to Him. Because He loves us. And He wants us to draw near to Him because we love Him. That's what He wants. After all, He's given all for us. That we might be drawn close to Him. He wants us to trust in Him alone. And to seek Him. Psalm 20 and verse 7, the psalmist writes, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's a psalm. That's God speaking to the psalmist uh, 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 before this time here. Don't trust in militaries. Don't trust in your bank account. Don't trust in your political party. We will trust what? In the Lord our God. We'll trust in the Lord our God. That's where we'll find deliverance. That's where we'll be all right. That's where things will be okay. And it won't be outside of that. 
God saved us so we might glorify His name. He didn't just, just save us to get to heaven. Praise God, you're saved, you're going. And that, that's not going to change. That was purchased by Jesus Christ, not you or me. We had nothing to offer God for that. That's a free gift, the Bible says, multiple times. But now that you are saved, if you are, by the way, if you're not, get saved today. You might be watching. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Get saved today. But if you get saved, God wants you and I to walk with Him. <clears throat> now between the fifth and sixth woes, which are pronounced here, God gives to Isaiah a ray of light and hope to share with His people. He gives them a glimpse of the coming Messiah who is both Savior and King and a time in the future when the kingdom will again be restored to Israel. The disciples knew about this time coming. You'd find that in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Excuse me. In Acts 1, 6. When they were come together, they asked of him, the disciples asking Jesus, Lord, without this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. And he, Jesus, said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Yes, the time is coming. The season is coming when God will restore again the kingdom to Israel. That will be the millennium. That's when Israel, uh, the Lord is reigning during that thousand years uh, from, from Jerusalem and Israel. And, and, they, and they will uh, be the, uh, in a sense, reigning kingdom of the earth. That's coming. It wasn't for them to know exactly when that was, when that will start. And, uh, and God wants them, uh, he, he's kind of giving them that glimmer of hope there, reminding them of that. But even now, if they'll trust him, they'll find deliverance. You see, God had earlier warned against trusting others uh, rather than him. This isn't the first time in Isaiah's prophecies. Back in chapter 8, we have the same warning. At verse 12, Say ye not a confederacy. Don't think about trying to join up with Egypt or or with Syria or someone else to help you against the Assyrians. And, uh, uh, don't try to, don't think, say not a confederacy. Uh, say ye not a confederacy to all them uh, whom this people shall say a confederacy. Israel is saying, hey, let, let's ally with somebody. God says, go tell them not to do it. All those people in Israel that are saying, we need to join up with somebody to get some help from some foreign nations. God is saying to Isaiah, go tell them people that are saying that not to do that. They're saying a confederacy, but tell them no confederacy. Trust in me is what he's saying. And God continues, Sanctify the Lord, the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel. So if they would trust him, they would find safety and deliverance in him. And he'll be a sanctuary for them. But then prophetically, in eight, 
in Isaiah 8, 14, he says, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense. What happened? They didn't trust him, did they? Neither did Israel or Judah ultimately trust him for deliverance. Nor did they trust that Jesus was the Messiah when he came. And so failing to trust, what? They missed the deliverance. Failing to trust only in God, they missed the deliverance. And brethren, if we fail to trust only in God, we may miss the deliverance God has for us. So I got family problems, or I got you know, financial problems, I got health, health problems. Trust in God. Yes, he uses people. He uses other instruments, but trust in him alone. Amen? For whatever deliverance it is that we need... Lord of hosts himself, he's the rock. He says in Isaiah 8, he says he's a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. That's what he was to those who wouldn't trust him. He was a stone and a rock. He's referring to himself to that. God is the Lord of hosts. But if they would have trusted him, they would have found him a rock of salvation. Amen? A rock of safety. And now we have, here in Isaiah 32, 1, Speaking, looking forward to the millennial reign. Behold, a king, that's Jesus Christ, shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. That will be in the millennium. Verse 2, And a man shall be as an hiding place. And the last part of the verse says, He'll, A man shall be as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. God, the Lord, said, I'm the rock to trust in. Here we read in our Bible that God the Lord is going to become a man. And that man is going to be the hiding place. That man is going to be as rivers of water in a dry place. That man is going to be as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And I'll tell you this morning, that man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9 and 6, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. A man. John 1, 14. Well, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the word was with God. John 1.14 And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace and truth. So the rock, the shelter, the hiding place. Who is the Lord God became a man. And folks that man who is our shelter today. Is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our rock. He's our hiding place. <clears throat> we sing rock of ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood. From thy wounded side which flowed. Be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Who's that? That's our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is our hiding place. 
He's our shelter for this time. <clears throat> he dwelt among us. He was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 That word dwelt uh, is, is, is the, the Hebrew word skenao and it means a tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. In other words, what he did was he, he came down, he put on a body and by the way, even that body that he put on See, a tabernacle is a temporary dwelling. It's a tent or something. Even that body that he put on was temporal. Was temporal. See, he didn't put on the glorified body first, did he? He put on a human body. When Jesus put on that body, you could cut that body and it would bleed. Just like you and I would. It was a flesh and blood and bones body. But when he rose again, now that was a glorified body. That was different. That tabernacle that he put on was a flesh body and bones body. And he lived and he was in that temporarily till he died and rose again. He came and tabernacled among us. Our body ourselves is a tabernacle. A temporary dwelling that we live in. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.1, We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. When your body, when you die, and I die, if the Lord doesn't return before then, we, we will, <laughs> then this body returns back into the ground, and God will eventually give you what? A new body. It's called a tabernacle. Peter said about it, he said, Yea, I think it meet or fitting as long as I am in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. So he knew he was going to be, be uh, sacrificed also for the Lord. And he says, I want to serve God while I'm in this body. It's fitting while I'm in this tabernacle. God has made multiple kinds of bodies that are rather interesting. 1 Corinthians 15, 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. All the kinds of bodies that God has made. Just amazing to think about. Some examples that are rather amazing uh, able to endure harsh climates I think of polar bears uh, I remember when somebody had a cartoon or something I, I can't remember where it was on Facebook or something that had two polar bears on the, on, on the, on the cartoon and there's little word blurbs you know, coming out from each one there's a little baby polar bear and, and the baby polar bear says to mama says uh Mama, are you sure I'm a polar? And you, of course, the, the the scene is they're out on some ice flats, you know, and it's, the wind's blowing. It's you know, uh, who knows how much below zero, and and the little word blurred from the little baby polar bear is, "Mama, are you sure I'm a polar bear?" And mom says, "Well, of course you are. Why would you ask?" And the little fellow says, "I'm cold." <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> "Yeah, uh, I would be too." Yeah. Polar, polar bears are built for cold weather. 
in the high Arctic, the sun sets in October and doesn't rise again until late February. Temperatures can plunge to minus 50 degrees below zero. In January and February, the average temperature is minus 29 degrees. If that doesn't send a chill up your spine trying to think about being a polar bear, <laughs> that doesn't send a chill up your spine, consider how they live. They roam the Arctic ice sheets and, and, and oftentimes swim in the coastal waters to, to feed on seals. Hmm. How do you think that How do you think that you'd fare if you had to go out one balmy day and it was minus 30 degrees out and you had your big fur winter coat on and you had to go diving for seals in the Arctic waters? <laughs> How would you feel about that? <laughs> They're built for cold. They're equipped by God to live in the Arctic. They have two coats of fur One of the coats is kind of a longer fur that reaches out kind of to protect, and the other is a lower, thicker fur that helps keep them warm. Under those two coats of fur, they have a layer of blubber that when they're healthy can grow up to four and a half inches thick. Keeps the bear's temperature at... 98.6 just like you and me <laughs> when it's 35 below their fur is actually clear they look white but their, their, hair, they, their fur is actually clear the hair is hollow giving it better insulation qualities <clears throat> polar bears act, the greatest danger for polar bears is actually being overheated more than being cold uh, because of the way that they're built. They can endure harsh climates. I think about camels. They are equipped to live in the desert. I heard a man preach a sermon one time. It was called A Camel Called Grace. I loved that sermon. <laughs> I haven't forgot that. Might look up all the things for that and try to, try to preach the things he preached on that. But they are prepared to live in difficult places in the desert. They have the large uh, flat feet to help walk on the sand. They have thick fur on top of the body for shade and thin fur elsewhere to allow easy heat loss. They have thick pads of skin on their chest and knees so they can sit on hot sand.
When the food is scarce, the camels draw from fat stored in their humps, not all over their body like animals in colder climates. The fat were over, all over their body, it would retain the heat. They get it from their humps. I like this part. <laughs> camels have three have three sets of eyelids and two rows of eyelashes to help keep the sand out of their eyes as the wind blows. The third set of eyelids open and close from the sides and are rather transparent for those days when just when you just got to see a little bit anyway and, and keep your eyes open in the sandstorm uh, there it is <laughs> pretty amazing animals are equipped for harsh environments but let's get this sure in our hearts human beings are not equipped to handle the harsh environment of a fallen sick and sin sick world we're not built to handle it we need a hiding place see just like you and I we can't live in that arctic like the polar bear can this tabernacle can't, can't take it we can't live in the desert like the camel can. If we go there, we'd have to have some kind of a, some kind of a, a, an awesome building just so just so we can live and keep our ninety eight point six. We can't handle it. We need a, a refuge. And folks, spiritually, we can't handle this fallen world. We need a refuge, and our refuge is Jesus Christ. Amen. Our refuge is the rock uh, that we need to run to. And we need to trust Him. The Bible says even about the old, those Old Testament folks, they did all drink of the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And we need to abide in Him. We need to, what's, what's abide in Him mean? It means follow Him. It means obey his commands. Trust his spirit to help us obey his command. It means not only be a Christian, but be a godly Christian. Not only be a Christian, but be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And walk with him every day. Because he is our hiding place. He is our hiding place. <clears throat> I might actually get to the sermon. <laughs> What do we see about this hiding place? First of all, number one, we must abide in Christ because he is a shelter of truth amidst deceiving winds. Look what the verse says there. A man shall be in a hiding place from the wind. A hiding place from the wind. In our recent camping trip, it was rather cold and windy. And it wouldn't be so bad except for the wind. I'll show you what we, what we uh, experienced there. Can you see that? <laughs> Um, looks kind of dark from here but we call that our Dr. Seuss tent 
uh, that's being blown sideways and squashed. You can't really see it because in the, in the shadow they didn't show up as much as I, I thought it would, but the tent looks kind of awkward. It's kind of bent and twisted like those little Dr. Seuss you know, cartoons that the kids watch. You know, the houses are all, and we called it our Dr. Seuss tent. And it was hard, you know, because, because of the wind uh, and, uh, and, and the constant winds. Contrary winds can make even everyday living more difficult. Airplanes uh, uh, in our country uh, 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 traveling from east uh, uh, to west always go slower than traveling from west to east because of the jet stream. And uh, they can hitch a ride to the jet stream going west to east, but they got to you know, just take what they get coming back and it always takes them longer. Why? Because the winds aren't favorable for them in that sense. Uh, contrary winds. How does that apply today? He's a, he, Jesus Christ is a, he, he is a hiding place from the wind. We have the winds of false doctrine that are, that are all about us. Uh, and uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, that we are to be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. It's a constant thing. You see, these days are evil. Ephesians 5.16 We are to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. You see, there's a law out there in science. It's called the law of entropy. The law of entropy. Things tend to break down, to fall into disorder unless somebody steps in and and helps out and applies some energy. Have you ever noticed how beautiful your lawn and garden grow if you just leave them alone? Have you ever noticed uh, how, how great your car runs if you avoid tune-ups and oil changes? Have you ever noticed how beautiful and handsome you look in the morning before you shower, brush your teeth, and comb your hair? <laughs> no! If you're like me, you realize in all these things, if somebody doesn't introduce some energy into this system, uh, uh, it's not going to be a good day, okay? Something's got to be changed and helped, amen? And you know what? Just like all things that we see and view that, our spiritual walk is going to decay unless we are running to Christ. Unless he is, we are hiding in him from this wind. If we're listening to all the junk that the world puts out all the time, you're not going to be spiritual. I'm not going to be spiritual. If we're not being filled with the Word of God, we're not going to be spiritual. If we're not going to be trusting in Christ, we're not going to be spiritual. Those winds are going to drag us down. They'll wear you out. You ever been in some place that was just windy all the time? It wears you out. It really does. Uh, a hiding place from the wind. Hiding place from the wind. Secondly, he is our shelter. He is a shelter of safety amidst the destroying waves. A man shall be a covert from the tempest. A covert from the, temp a temp the, the tempest. Now, a covert is a hiding place or a cover. Now, a tempest is an overflowing flood, a, you know, a, a rainstorm, a powerful storm, a tempest. Uh, you know, the angry surges roll on my tempest.
tempest-driven soul. <laughs> you know, we've sung that song. Tempest, a covert uh, 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 from the tempest. He's a hiding place. <clears throat> and we hide in him when the storms of life come. <clears throat> we run to him. I was walking up the hill one day and going for an exercise walk. I noticed a turkey kind of crouched down, you know. And, and as I went, got closer to the flock of turkeys, the rest of them wandered off. And this one got up, lifted up the wings, and all the little, little turkeys ran, ran, ran out from him. Just, just like you know, a mother hen's what she was. They were all what? They were, tech, they were tucked under her in that hiding place. What did Jesus say? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. <laughs> that hiding place, running to him. Psalm 19.1 He that dwelleth in this secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. that tempest wind, that destroying wind. If Satan can't get your soul, you're born again, he'll try to destroy your Christian life and your testimony. And you need a hiding place. I need a hiding place. Because we're no match for, for spiritual beings. We're no match uh, for, 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 for the, the, the powers of darkness and spiritual beings. We need Jesus Christ. By the way, we, have, we are a match by His Holy Spirit and by His Word. Uh, Satan doesn't have a chance against God. Amen. He doesn't have a chance against Jesus Christ. And that's why we run to Him in faith. I appreciate Brother Dennis's lesson this morning talking about you know, how those, those, uh, those Christians of old, how when they faced persecution, many times they had to what? They had a choice. You're going to lose all your wealth if you if you testify of Christ, if you testify you're a Christian, they lost their wealth. You're going to lose your life if you don't deny Christ, and many of them lost their lives. And Brother Dennis was saying, I hope that we would, would we be like that? That's a good question we have to ask, isn't it? You say, would you be like that preacher? Let me tell you something, I don't know. When that comes, I, when that time, I, I don't know. But let me tell you what I want to remember to do when that time comes. I want to run to Jesus. Because I won't have the strength to get, to that, to get through that day unless I run to Jesus. And by the way, you won't have the strength today. And I won't have the strength today to live for Jesus unless what? Unless we run to Jesus. Amen. On our knees in prayer. In the Bible reading. We live day by day by His strength. That's the only way we get by, is by running to Him. By the way, if we can't get victory in our, in, in our lives over sin and our temptations today that are facing us, what makes, what makes us think we'd stand up in some situation like Brother Dennis was talking about? Amen? We need to learn to run practically today to Him in, in those things and get victory over our sin. And that might give us some confidence. Well, good. At least I know I'm learning how to run to Him. Amen. I'm not looking at my strength. Uh-uh. I know that when I run to Him, He'll help me. He'll deliver me. 
I trust his spirit. A hiding place. A hiding place. Thirdly, we must abide in Christ uh, because he is safety amidst the amidst the uh, amidst he's a shelter of life in a desolate wasteland verse 2 a man shall be as rivers of water in a dry place rivers of water in a dry place John 1 4 the Bible says in him was life and the life was the light of men Revelation 22 says the spirit and the bride say come <clears throat> and let him that heareth say come let him that is a thirst come whosoever will let him come take the water of life freely see there's no life without water is there ever see those barren uh, deserts and such and, and uh, uh, the Sahara desert just amazing you know and how it continues to grow as the, the land dr- dries and such, and, and uh, how that camel, you know, those camels can crawl, you know, live in those in those things. It's it's a harsh environment. There's no life out there in dry places, folks. We look out there. There's no life. There's no spiritual life. Every person you see out there unless they're born again is a walking dead man is a walking dead person they have feelings they have an intellect they can decide they can even be convicted by God but apart from receiving Christ they have no hope and they're without God in the world my Bible says and there's no there's nothing out there for them that will satisfy them. What do we know? We know the one who gives life, don't we? We know the one who satisfies. We know him. And by the way, in him was life. It's not anywhere else. It's only in him. That's why he is our hiding place. That's why he he is our rivers of water in a dry place. Because that's where the life is. Romans 5.14 tells us, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. But Romans 5.17 goes on to tell us that through faith in Christ, righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You see, because I live, since I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, He made me alive. Now I can read and understand his will for me the deep things of God now I can look and pray for the strength of the Holy Spirit to live the life that God wanted us to live and is a life that is pleasing to him and every believer can do that by the grace and mercy of God Uh, he came to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage that water of life that water of life I mentioned one time about you know going on a trip and a hot hot trip. I won't go into all the details of it because I've shared it before. But I'd gone on a hot trip and forgot my water. 
and couldn't get back to the house for about another hour. And by the time I got back to the house, my I couldn't swallow. I couldn't spit. Uh, it was uh, I wanted a drink of water so bad. The only thing that I had around me to drink was pond water where I was fishing, <laughs> and I wasn't about to drink that. Uh, and I tell you what, I didn't want anything else when I got home. I didn't want to drink a soda. I didn't want to drink a milk. I didn't want a burger. Uh, I didn't want a candy bar. I wanted water. Amen. <laughs> water only would do it. And you know, water, water is so good for you. Do you know that? Uh, since I've been drinking more, I've been feeling, the, I, 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 I feel the hurt more the, the, when I'm without it. And uh, I don't drink as much soda as I used to, and I probably should drink less. Uh, but I know this, I'm feeling, I, I feel the health of that more. And, and if I start going out, and if I go without it for a while, I gotta, I, I'm, I'll just take an eight, eight, ten ounce glass of water, just chug, just, you know, just chug it down, you know. And boy, it is so uh, therapeutic. And it, 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 it's, it's the water of life, amen? It's what, uh, it, you know, we can't live without that. And Christ is the water of life. He alone supplies uh, that, that, that satisfaction uh, and, uh, and that, that deliverance. By the way, if you're lost, he's the water of life to save you, amen? He's the covering that will cover your sin. He's the one that will hide you from the wrath of the devil if you trust Jesus Christ to be your savior. The Bible says we're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That is where every sinner goes unless God does something. Say, so what will God do? He's already done it. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect savior, to die on the sins, on the cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Read them. Christ died for our sins and rose again according to scriptures. And Romans uh, 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, shall be saved. The Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and you know in your heart that you're sorry for your sin. You're sorry you've turned against God and you want to be saved. You can turn to God in your heart believing in Jesus Christ and say, God, I believe what that preacher just said. Better yet, I believe what that Bible said. Look it up. It says, look it up. I believe your son died from rose again. You call upon Jesus. Trust in what? Him only. Remember what God was saying? Don't trust any allies. Don't trust your good work. Don't trust your church. Don't trust your pastor. Don't trust your priest. Don't trust your baptism. Don't trust your communion. None of that saves you. Christ alone saves. You call on Him. Putting all your trust, 100% in Him. Nowhere else. And the Bible says at that moment you're born again. And God will begin to change you because you are saved, not to get you saved. There's a big difference there. By the way, there's a difference there that will change your life. And the, the other way people are trying to do, they think that God will change you to get saved. They never get changed enough to have any peace because you can't get saved that way. There's only one man that earned, that earned a home in heaven, that earned a place in heaven, and, he, and that man came from heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. His home was already there. 
trust in him. He's a shelter of life in a desolate waste. And then finally, what else is he? Fourthly, we must abide in Christ because he is our shelter of rest in a draining world. He is our shelter of rest in a draining world. A man shall be as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. You know, I think about walking in Christ and abiding in Christ. And it's a joy when Christ, we, we, we repent of some sin and Christ delivers us and, and we learn to walk as Christians and we see, you know, uh, the putting aside of the old man, the flesh, the old things, and we, and we have a desire to, you know, to, to be a disciple, to, be, uh, to love the brethren, to be, to, be, to be faithful in church, to read our Bibles, uh, to witness to our family and co-workers and friends and a lost world, to have our opportunities to talk about Jesus. It's wonderful to see God working all of these things, you know, and, and, and in and through us, isn't it? It's wonderful. But you know what? This still is a weary and fallen world. And those winds of deceit are still blowing strong out there. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been out in a place where it's just windy all day long, it just wears you out. It just wears you out. You ever been driving down the gorge? And we've done that more often now with Joe and Val living, living out that way. So you go down the, you go down the gorge and, and uh, you might be, have a mountain, you know, uh, just heady. And, and then the road comes up and curves around the mountain, you know, by the river there. And just as you come around the mountain, boy, that headwind hits you. You know, you're doing probably, you know, the speed limit. And, uh, and you know, you're doing you know, 65 or so, whatever, depending on what speed limit is there. And all of a sudden, whoop, you're going slower. And you think, what happened? Well, you didn't let up on the gas. What happened? You're in a headwind. You step on the gas a little bit more. Oh, now I'm going the same speed. Yeah, but your car is going, <laughs> your car is working harder now, you know, and your gas gauge is, you know, is going down. Why? Because it's hard going against the wind, isn't it? See, any old dead fish can swim downstream. <laughs> but when you're out there, even when you're doing right, you get weary, don't we? We get weary. The Bible says, and Jesus being weary sat thus upon the well. In John 4. The Son of God became weary in doing his work in this world. Why? Because we're in physical bodies against a spiritual enemy. We have to continually, constantly run to Christ in prayer, in faith, trusting in him. And you know what? It just gets tiresome, doesn't it? It just gets tiresome. I remember wrestling with Joe. He may deny this if he ever watches this, but, but uh, I remember wrestling with Joe uh, some years ago. He'd gone camping, and we were in the water, and he's a, my, my wife and the kids are better swimmers than I, and uh, any, any of them could drown me like, like that. And, uh, but we were wrestling in the water, and uh, I would never go out too far where, you know, you know, where I couldn't get a good, good foothold with Joe because I knew better, okay? And so, so we're wrestling. This time, he was about tall, as tall as I was. Where we were wrestling. And, and the only thing I could ever get him under was if I, at, at that point, was if I didn't let up. If I just stayed on him and stayed on him. Stayed, eventually, he get tired. I was, you know, I was running then. I was in pretty, pretty good shape then. And, and, and I could stay at him. And eventually, he'd wear. 
and I'd be able to, you know, to dunk him over once, you know, and, and get him in. Eventually, he'd wear. You know what? Eventually, we wear, don't we? Even when, even when we are wrestling. And you know what Jesus says? Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I know that passage is mainly talking about coming to salvation apart from all the rules and the scribes and Pharisees put out. It's tiresome to try to earn your way to heaven because you can't do it. If you're trying to do that, forget it. You can't do it. That's tiresome, wearisome. Come to Christ for salvation. But then after you come, guess what? We can still come when we do get weary in the Word. See, we, can, we need to be we will be weary in the work. We just need to make sure we don't become weary of the work. Amen. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You see, we have hope. We have hope because there's a resurrection. And Jesus Christ said, because I live, what? Ye shall live also. So as sure as Jesus Christ is risen again, I and you, if you trusted Christ, every Christian will rise again as well. And I'm talking about rise again to eternal life, not eternal damnation. All will rise again. Some to eternal life, some to eternal damnation, the Bible says. If we trust in Jesus Christ, we will rise again unto eternal life and be with him in heaven. And I close, I just want to read in closing Psalm 61, uh, David's prayer. And think about the things that we've learned about Christ being our hiding place. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. There's running to your hiding place, folks. <laughs> From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. I think of the four winds of the earth. My heart is overwhelmed. There's that tempest. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. There's that resolve. I want to follow you, God. I want to live for you. Thou hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear not thy name. I believe in you, and when I trust in you, you will do what you said you'll do. Thou wilt prolong the king's life, that's himself, and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. That's pretty good, isn't it? I'm amazed at how much the New Testament's in the Old Testament and vice versa. Why? It's because God is one. And he's revealed himself in so many ways. And I am thankful that one day somebody introduced to me Jesus Christ and showed me how that by faith I could run to him for deliverance and that he would change my life and that then I could live for him and look forward uh, to a home in heaven one day I understood through the teaching of the word of God that all the world would not understand the world won't understand you if you're a Christian 
but those who trust Christ will. And uh, we can reach out to the world. Why? Because God loves his family. And we are all the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. God wants his family to grow. He wants more people to put their faith in Christ Jesus. That's what we're all about as a church. See, helping people put their faith in Christ Jesus and then growing as God's children. When I found out those things and have been living in those things, you talk about a new creature. You talk about life-changing things. You talk about the peace that God gives. It's only there. It's only in Him. He is the Prince of Peace. And we need to hide in Him. Lord, thank you for your blessings and goodness. And God, you have said that you only are to be our fear or our reverence. God, if we would realize our greatest need is to follow you and serve you and be right with you because you're worthy. You didn't require that of us for heaven. You knew we would fail. And so you provided the perfect sacrifice, your son. He died on a cross for our sins and rose again. And then you just, you righteously and in mercy, in mercy you put the sins of the world on him. And you will count anyone in the world righteous who will trust in, in Jesus Christ by faith alone. The Bible says you'll count them righteous without works. And God, I thank you for that. My life was never changed until I learned that truth. Though I knew a lot of Bible verses. But God, I pray that you'd help people to understand that truth and to become saved, to trust you as Savior. And I thank you, Lord, that having trusted you for salvation, we learn to trust you for everything else and on a continual basis. We have no power of our own to live this Christian life. But you do require our best. We've sung of that today, how that we are to do our best. Our best and our strength will not, will not avail. We'll have to do our best while we're trusting in you while we're trusting in you for the victory, in you for the deliverance, in you for the strength, in you for the wisdom. We need to be learning your word. We need to be yielding to your Holy Spirit. We need to be staying close to you in love. You loved us, and we need to love you back. Uh, Lord, you're worthy of all the love that we can give. And Father, I pray you'd help us to do that as believers and to grow more in the likeness of your Son in our love towards you and toward others. And Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.